in the Saviour's name. Well, we are glad tonight to have our own brother, uh, Mr. William Heron, with us. It must be about a year ago now that I asked him first to testify, and then through circumstances that wasn't possible, and we put it off for a time. Well, I'm glad that that time has come tonight, and that we have family members and friends who are gathered in, and uh, I had to keep looking across to make sure our brother hadn't gone out the door uh, in between the hymns. Uh, We wanted to keep him here. But we trust the Lord will give him great help now as he comes to testify and will use him tonight to God's honour and to God's glory. Thank you, William. I just want to thank Mr. Kenny for the kind words. And um, I did think about it, but uh, there's too many steps to get down and I'll probably fall. But um, it's a real honour to be here tonight. I can't say that I like doing this kind of thing and I didn't have much for my dinner. It was probably pushed around the plate and it's no wonder that it was put off so many times. But uh, I have a, a newfound respect for Mr. Kenny, how he gets up here every Sunday and he does what he does. Um, I just want to open up with a wee verse Matthew, from Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29 and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I just wanted to leave that with you, and it will come in to my testimony later on. Um, so my name is William Heron. Um, I grew up a few miles from here. Um, I was born into a loving home with two sisters, Emily Jane and Anna, and mum and dad. I had a very, very good childhood growing up. I went to Fullerton House, and Nanny Williamson used to ferry us up and down the road every morning, (laughs) and we had some great times, and loved Sunday school, attended Sunday school here, and Hard Mackin was one of my favourite teachers, although I'm sure he got a hard time, because I think... I shouldn't really have been in this class, but I went with Luke and Isaac and all the rest of the lads, so I don't know how much teaching he got done, but it was definitely great times were had over in Sunday school. Um, so then, whenever I was younger, I suppose the first really experience I had of Christianity was with my grandparents. Um, and I knew from a very early age that they were different. I knew the way they acted um, in their house with other people. I knew they were just different. And I can remember Nanny Williamson would have got us ready for bed and put half a tub of E45 on you. And I always wanted to sleep in the pink room. And I can remember asking Nanny when she would have prayed with us at night, I would have said, Nanny, I want to be saved. And Nanny prayed with me, and she says, you have to let Jesus come into your heart. 
And at that age, I thought, and I did sit with my mouth open because I thought that would let Jesus come down in, and that's how he got saved. So from a very early age, um, I knew that there was a need to be saved and that the only way to be saved was through Jesus Christ, who died on Calvary's cross. Um, So the seed was definitely sown in my life from a very young age. So moving into the teenage years then, um, I wasn't very clever out of the whole family. They all went on to grammar school and Methody, and I had to go to Jamore High, which I loved and was probably the right place for me. Um, I loved playing rugby, and at that stage had started go-kart racing and would have been away the odd weekend in England competing in that. Um, But then, I suppose, whenever I got to fourth year, fifth year, um, things started to take a a sort of a change and I got into a different friend group and um, my social life started going to house parties um, with friends from school and then their big brothers and sisters then would have, alcohol would have been starting to come available at these house parties unbeknown. Um, Your parents thought you were going for a sleepover and to play the Xbox but really that's what was happening. And also then I started to work at 16, so with money came freedom, and with a car came even more freedom, I suppose. Um, Then moving on through teenage years, I was involved in a pretty major crash, motorbike crash at Bishop's Court, Um, and I underwent eight operations um, to my kidney and subsequently lost 70% of my kidney and the doctor said it was a miracle that I didn't break my neck but looking back from there I can tell that the Lord's hand was on my life from the very beginning but every cloud they say has a silver lining and that's where I met Ashley, my wife and I'm sure there's probably something that you can't see your patients but anyway, um, that was the the good thing that came of the crash, if anything. So seven months later, after a whirlwind romance, I asked Ashley to be my wife. And we are now married almost nine years. And the Lord has blessed us with three beautiful, healthy children, Jacob, Emmy, and Charlie. But to go back to the early years of our marriage, we had good jobs, beautiful car, beautiful home, good health, two young children, but I felt like I had a void in my life that I had never filled or probably never worked out what it was. But that void I tried to fill with alcohol and I still would have been going out with friends and and not really stepping up to where I should have been as a husband. So I would have been out still wanting to go out at the weekends um, drinking. But that came with other things like Um, taking alcohol and I think it is at this point I should highlight that I was no longer attending church or made any time for God in my life at this time the alcohol and drugs and the drinking ramped up and the use of drugs ramped up and my marital relationship was really at breaking point I was spending my wages on drugs and subsequently unknown to anyone else in my life My life was spiralling out of control. My life was full of lies and I don't know, I didn't know where to turn. I just felt like my life was out of control. I was at rock bottom 
and I had come to the point where I, I either needed to tell Ashley the truth of what I was up to, or the other side was that I one night was going to go out to the van and was going to drink weed killer. And that's really where my life had got to in sin. And a very wise woman once told me, growing up, sin will take you further than you ever want to go. And that was definitely true in my life. Because this had been the place where the drugs and the alcohol had taken me, and sin had taken me. It was either come clean or end the pain. Um, So we'll take you to Romans 6 and 23. So Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this was a turning point. Uh, So Ashley came home that night and I decided to tell her. And that was a very hard thing to do, to tell your wife what you had been up to and see the tears rolling down her face. Um, And then mum and dad were contacted and they arrived at the house. And the tears and the look in their face of disappointment, shame, all the different things and probably just looking at their son who was in this state and wondering why and how. Um, so I, was, I left the house, I packed a, short, a small bag and I left the house that night. Ashley didn't want me there, which was completely understandable. Um, and I moved back to mum and dad's house and we tried to look for addiction centres and there isn't really any in Northern Ireland, really. And, um, but the Lord's hand was still there because there had been a space come of, become available in a place down south, which is very highly regarded. And within six days, there's usually months and months of waiting time, but there had been a space had come up and I was able to get a space in this addiction centre. So in, at the beginning of March 2020, off I went. I was taken down to this addiction centre and on arrival I was searched for drugs and all my personal possessions were taken from me. You weren't allowed to keep a razor, you weren't allowed to keep anything, just your clothes. We were given three meals a day and we had one hour of exercise and we were allowed one phone call. There was no TV, no news, no mobile phones and there was no internet access. My days consisted of therapy sessions which I was introduced to the 12 Steps program. And if anybody's, that's sort of what Alcoholics Anonymous and these different things use um, for addiction treatments. And I can clearly remember in these classes, being with these um, therapists and different things, being told that you were an addict and that you had a disease and that you would have to live with this disease for the rest of your life and that there was no getting better from it, and that you were a diseased person. Unknown to me, my mum had packed a Bible that was at the side of my bed, 
and I, I was allowed to keep it. And I also had brought, I think I had brought Valentino Rossi's uh, autobiography, but they had been taken off me, and I was, let, I was allowed to keep the Bible that Mum had packed into my bag. Um, Uh, so I had that at my side bed, and I started to read in the evenings, and I just thought I would start at Matthew. And I had been reading through Matthew, and I had came to Matthew 4, verses 23 to 24, pretty quickly, as I had just started Matthew at night time. So if you could turn to Matthew 4, verses 23 and 4. And just remember, I was being told by these people that I had a disease, and there was, for it, there was no cure. Then I came to this in the evening. And Jesus went about all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had Paisley, and he healed them. So that's really when things had started to click in my head, that there was somebody that could heal diseases, and there was somebody that could break the bonds of sin, and could deliver me. Um, so conviction had started to come upon me, and um, sorry, that was Matthew chapter four, verses twenty-three and twenty-four. That was the first one, and then this is from the reading that I asked you to read at the start. So then I kept reading, and another night or two, then. I had came to Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29 and 30. And when I read this, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto my soul. Don't find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And at this stage, I was on my knees at the side of the bed, and I could feel the tears rolling down my face and hitting the Bible. And I asked the Lord to forgive me, and that he would heal me, and that he would touch me with his grace. And from that moment, the void was filled that I had been so desperately trying to fill was gone. Through the Lord's grace and mercy, I was forgiven. And if you could turn to Second Corinthians 5 and 17.
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's exactly how I felt. I was forgiven, and I was a new creature in Christ. And all that torment and all those things that I craved for in the past were blotted out in a sea of forgetfulness. Praise his name. So life since coming home. So coming home from the centre, obviously, um, it was great to come home. And I suppose coming home came with a lot of worry as well. Um, Ashley is a good woman, and she's a good wife to me. But she's also also a doctor, and in the medical field, when people talk about addiction and being cured, um, it's, there's just a bit of a... They find it hard to take on board from a medical point of view, I suppose. And also, with Ashley at this stage not being saved, um, I was coming home with all these different things that I wanted for my home. Um, I was coming home a new creature in Christ, and the old things had passed away, so I didn't want alcohol or these things to be in my home. But I knew that Ashley wasn't, and I was worrying. But the Lord has been good. I came home. I started to build the trust with Ashley. I moved back in. Um, I got my children back. Um, we had sort of went through, went round a couple of churches to see... Um, I suppose, where we could go. But, again, being a good old free pay at heart, the teaching wasn't there, and I needed somewhere to go and to be fed the word. So we found ourselves back at Hillsborough. And I really have to thank the people of Hillsborough and the congregation that have reached out and been so encouraging to my faith. Um, And that would be to William Hamilton, Mark McKibben, Alistair Heenan, Andrew Barnes, and also the Reverend Kenny. And also um, have to thank Phil Harton and the serve team for the Dublin outreach that we did. And it was so important to me in my early um, days getting involved in the church and in the early days of the faith. So then moving on, um, being a Christian is not easy. And things just don't happen. And last year we had an awful year, um, especially that tested my faith with the fire at Asheville. I suppose that ties into what you were preaching about this morning. Um, We had a a fire at Asheville, and then my uncle Michael passed away after a short battle with cancer. And then Nanny Williamson passed away in July. However, again, the Lord is good, and his hand was in all of it. The farm shop was being used for things with the church. We had a few meetings, and the Lord was being exalted from it. And I knew in my heart that the Lord would rebuild it, and it would be used again for things of that nature. Uncle Michael, Uncle Michael was restored gloriously. The joy of salvation was restored to his heart. A memory that will stay with me forever 
was Michael sitting at the bottom of his stairs, rejoicing, witnessing for the Lord in front of all his family, and the change was clear to be seen. Michael was a saved man and was going home to be with the Lord. Then Nanny. Nanny was a big part of my life and loved very much by all her family. Nanny went to the hospital and we all thought Nanny would be coming home from the hospital. But Nanny, with her faith and with her great grace, like Michael, never complained once and had a real assurance that where Nanny was going, she wouldn't want to come back. All these things have happened and I know the Lord's hand has been in it. Then, after these things had happened, I didn't. Ashley would wake up on Sunday mornings and I would have asked her, are you going to church with me this morning? Mm -hmm. Time went on and Ashley started to get up and she was getting ready for church before me and I didn't have to say and I knew something was happening. But you don't know how to approach these things and you don't want to be too heavy-handed. Or I left it in the Lord's hands. Then one Sunday, at the back, I turned to Ashley and I seen the tears rolling down her cheeks. And I waited until we got outside into the Jeep and I said, is everything okay with you today? And she said, William, I came home from a night shift last Thursday night and I woke up in the morning and I thought that my soul needed to be saved. And I said, why didn't you tell me? She says, I don't know. And I said, well, what way are you today? And she says, I don't know but even the hymns are speaking to me. She said, I need to be saved. So praise the Lord, he saved my wife. Not long after, Jacob then made a profession and was such an honor to be able to lead your son to the Lord in his bedroom. I also have to thank the church for my involvement in the youth fellowship. It's been such an encouragement and blessing to see so many young people with such a genuine love for the Lord and also the rich. It's lovely to see young people sticking to their faith as they grow up and not to make the same mistakes as I have. I also want to thank the Reverend Kenny for all that he's done for me and also my family. And lastly, if you could turn to First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So that's my story, folks. That's my testimony. And that has been a very hard thing for me, and I have had people come to me and say, why are you going to do that? Why are you going to say that? What sort of person would I to go through that? 
and witness what God has done in my life and how he has blessed me and given me grace and keep quiet about it and not tell anyone. Because I know there's people that struggle day in and day out and they need help. And I would just reach out tonight if you're outside of Christ and anything that I have spoke about, if it has moved your heart at all, to either contact Mr. Kenny or myself, but first and foremost, put your trust in Christ and he will break the bondages of sin. Give your life to him and I can assure you, you'll not be let down. Thank you very much for your time. We are grateful to William this evening for a faithful word of testimony. And it has been a blessing to our hearts to hear of the grace of God in his life. And he is truly uh, that trophy of grace, that new creature in Christ Jesus. And he has been a great blessing and encouragement to us here in the work in Hillsborough. And I know that the Lord is using him as he serves the Lord with our young people. And tonight uh, we heard about him accepting that invitation to come to Christ Matthew 11 and 28, Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And perhaps as you heard those words tonight, you can relate to that, because you have never accepted that invitation to come to Christ. Know that William's testimony tonight might encourage you to take that step, that step of faith to come to the Savior, and that promise that he will give you that rest.